of the wonderful effects that it has to prevent you from getting sick and to keep you healthy. They had dietary laws. They had ways to use the bathroom because guess what? Back then, they didn't have toilet paper either, and they had a way to do it. And now people are so fearful, they're buying toilet paper. Isn't that such a joke? What does that have to do with anything? has nothing to do with anything going on. And so, you know, I was going to continue on with the sermon series, but I felt, why not address what it's going to be like when real things happen? Because this is a great sermon illustration to how people are acting when there's a little bit of nothing. I'm not saying we shouldn't take it serious. We should. We should listen to the doctors. Okay, so what are the doctors saying to us? Let's not have larger meetings than 1,000. Maybe that's one benefit of having a church less than 1,000 today. Some of the big boys had to cancel. We don't. So, you know, have, have common sense when you're with people. Wash your hands. Don't be all up in their business, in their face. Don't be spitting on people. So you guys might have to have a little bit of a spittle guard or I'll step back a little bit because sometimes my, my spittle, my shouting gets out. And then wash your hands and sanitize. We can do that. If you're sick, not only with the coronavirus, but any other kind of virus, stay home until you feel better. Can I hear an amen? Amen. 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 Let's open up our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. What are we going to do when it really goes bad? What are we going to do when everything we've been talking about actually starts to happen? For such a time as this, church, you've been prepared for such a time as this. They're scared you're prepared. Somebody put that on Facebook. Come on, you can be scared or you can be prepared. I'm ready for this. Put me in the game, coach. We've got the answers to what's going on right now. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 is a great scripture to memorize if you haven't already. It says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid or fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Everybody say power, Power. love, and self-discipline. Thank you. Power to live for God and to live with a sound mind in love in this world. You could combine them all together and say that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to be powerful in love with a sound mind. So he does not want us to be overcome by fear. He does not want us to look around at the the troubles of the world and to be troubled by them. Now, does this mean there's no troubles in the world? Absolutely not. When we look to the Bible, there was trouble all around, but they were told to fear not. If you and I were going to go to battle right now, would our fear help us be better soldiers? No, your fear, if it made your arms shake, you wouldn't get clear shots off with your rifle. If you were afraid, you wouldn't know to stay in the place we're at. You would get up and try to run and they would shoot you. Uh, Fear is not an effective weapon against the enemy in the natural, nor is it in the spiritual. Us being afraid right now is not going to accomplish anything that's positive. Doctors won't do better surgery or find the vaccine. Uh, you know, the, the people in the medical field, you know, giving the help and the medical supplies will not do better if they're afraid. Fear does not produce good results. A way to look at fear is false evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. And also think of fear as a synonymous with a lie. Now, you might think that there are some healthy fears, like if you were by a lion, it might be good to run away. That's like a fight or flight response. But I'm talking about a mental kind of fear that keeps you from doing the things God wants you to do. These are called phobias. 
And in our culture, people have phobias all the time. People have phobias over snakes. People have phobias over, over just harmless things in their house. They get, they get afraid of maybe a door being locked when they're inside, or they get afraid of shaking somebody's hand because they think everybody's hands have germs. They get afraid if they're on the Hancock, you know, standing up there having a meal because they're afraid of heights being on a plane. We could be here all day. And so we as Christians are not supposed to have a spirit of fear, a mindset of fear that denies reality and the facts. Now, is a fact that is is it a, is it a fact that today the coronavirus is happening? Yeah, it's a fact, but it's also a fact that you're probably not going to catch it. It's also a fact that most people who do have a high cure rate. Now, who should be concerned about it? Those who are elderly or those who have preconditions? Those who have things that could be a precondition to a pneumonia type illness. But what do we do now moving forward? Do we now say, let the world tell us how to react, or do we tell the world how we're going to react? How many know the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer? Do you guys know the difference? Okay, let me go through it. You go over to a thermostat and you set the temperature. Let's say it's a little cold today and we want it to be 70. Boop, boop, boop. I put it to 70. Now what do I do? I hold out a thermometer and I see whether or not it's working. And if I hold out a thermometer that says 70, then I know my thermostat is good. It has set the temperature of the room. How many know the world wants to be the thermostat right now setting the temperature in your life? They want you to wake up and feel the way they tell you to feel. If they're freaking out, they want you to freak out. If they want you to buy this, they want you, know, they want you to get up and buy that. The Bible is our thermostat. The Bible sets our temperature. And we should not receive what the world has given us. Receive what God has given us. Let's go now to what is going to happen in our world as it gets even worse. Go to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21 verse 8 says that there's going to be all of these things that happen towards the end. We've been going through this, right? The Antichrist and the signs of the times. But notice in verse 10, verse 10 it says, Nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. What are we going to do when these are great pestilences? Let's say right now this blows over in a couple of weeks like it did in China as they allowed it to pass through and the doctors did their thing and they kind of, you know, quarantined their country and now they're better, you know, they're safe and all of that. Let's just say this happens in America. Okay, we go, okay, that's good. It wasn't a big deal around here. But what happens when it's the real one? When the kind of things happen that the Bible talks about, well, sadly, people will become afraid and they'll turn their back on God. Look at what the Bible says in verse 17. It says, everyone will hate you because of me, same chapter, but not a hair on your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. Now go down to verse 25 and says, on the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. So imagine this, imagine the earth is shaking everywhere earthquakes. There are wars going on everywhere and there's diseases. What are you going to do? 
The Bible says some are going to be so afraid they're just going to faint and they're just going to give over to the fear. And not only on top of that, what I wanted you to see as well is that they're going to persecute Christians. Think about it like this. During the time of World War II, while the Germans are fighting the Russians and fighting the Europeans and fighting the Americans, guess what else they're doing? They're taking Jews and putting them in concentration camps. It's like, hold on, guys. How do you have time for this? You're like fighting on three different fronts, and yet you still have time to take Jews and mass exterminate them. Here's what I think was going on. I think the devil used the war as an excuse for the Germans to kill the Jewish people. The devil's a liar. I don't think he cared at all about whether or not Germany got land or who was going to rule Europe. He had an agenda during World War II, and that was kill the Jews. The same thing's going to be happening. While the world's going crazy, earthquakes, famines, wars, there's still going to be a worldwide government going, and by the way, kill all of these Christians. They'll make time to kill Christians. Now, here's what we believe in this church. We believe that the rapture, that Christ will call away the church before this thing really gets bad. Go back to chapter 22 of Luke, uh, 21 of Luke, rather. And look, right here, verse 8, it says, watch out, don't be deceived. You know, many will come in my name claiming I am he or the time is near. So there'll be false prophets saying the time is near when it's really not. We've seen that happen. Do not follow them when you hear of wars and uprisings. Do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. So how many know there's a part of this that's scary that happens even before the end? Did everybody catch that? There's all of this stuff happening, but the end is not even right away. Now, what if on top of that, I'm wrong, and the Christians who believe about the pre-tribulation rapture are wrong, and we actually go through it? What are you going to do then? You might get mad at me, but hello, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to quit on God now? Oh, I wasn't expecting to go through this. I'm going to quit on you, God. I'm walking away, joining the Antichrist. No, you're going to have to go through it. So I, as a pastor, I at least have to have you ready for the bad stuff that happens before the end. And in case I'm wrong, should have you prepared to go through it all. Now, you might not want to go through it all, and nor do I, and I don't think we will. But I can tell you this, that you won't be wrong to prepare if the Christians who dated the rapture before the tribulation are wrong, and we didn't mean to be wrong, but if we are wrong, you'll be thankful we prepared you. And at the least, if you go through this stuff, the bad stuff that happens even before the end, you'll say, I was ready. My pastor did not tell me it was going to be a yellow brick road to heaven. He said it was actually going to get worse before Christ came back. And so I'm prepared for this situation. And let's just think about it a little bit. Other cultures have gone through this. During the time of the Middle Ages, the Black Plague almost killed half of Europe. Do you think you would have stayed a Christian then? What about our cultures who have been enslaved or taken over by communists, by conquistadors? Would you still serve Jesus then? What about those right now in the Middle East and in places like North Korea where are, they are being persecuted and being killed? Would you still serve Jesus? 
And so in our hearts and minds, we have to determine that we are going to serve Jesus no matter what happens. We are not going to be fearful over what makes everybody else fearful. We can be wise. We can be of this world and use the good things that they've given us, but we are not going to allow them to be our thermostat. Let me give you an example of how God can use good things. How many know when the flood came during Noah's time, God didn't give Noah and his family a magic carpet and they ride on the clouds? How many know Noah was in a ark? Somebody say an ark. An ark that actually had to float. See, that's a natural bit of wisdom that God gave them. Get into this ark, and it's going to keep the laws of buoyancy, the laws of being on the water. And today, they have remade those arks and have even tested them in storm conditions and seen that an ark, according to the Bible specifications, could hold all of the animals that were from each species at that time, not every animal on the planet, but of each major species group, and that it could, it could be uh, buoyant and seaworthy during the time of the flood. How many are glad God gave us that? So God can give us medicine through the wisdom of people. God can give us vaccines. God can give us ways to be, do immunization and sterilization and those kinds of things. But once again, is that the most important thing? Was the ark the most important thing? No, it served a purpose, but the most important thing was Noah's family putting God first, not living in fear, but trusting the Lord. And when you look at every generation and the challenges that they faced, They've had to do the same thing as Christians. And so I do believe we're getting closer to this, and I believe we'll experience much of this, just not the worst part of it. And so we have to be prepared. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. Amen. Let's be prepared. So let's go to the book of Psalm, uh, the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 55, verse 12. What should we do when we see that there is trouble upon us and the things that we care about are troubling us? You may be here today and say, I don't have really any fear or concern about the coronavirus, but I have a concern about my sick relative, or I have a concern about my job, or these other things that are going on in your life. And you may say, what do I do about that? Well, it's the same thing we do when we face the corona. In other words, what you do during the times of normal life is the same thing that you do when life turns, ep turns epidemic and everything is scary and don't go outside and breathe through a mask. We'll do the same things, and that is trust God. Look at Psalm chapter 55, verse 22. If you're there, say, I'm there. Thank you. Cast your cares on who? Come on, cast your cares on who? The Lord, he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be forsaken or shaken. That's why you need to bring your Bibles, not just wait for the karaoke screen. Come on, say amen to that. Don't get quiet. The Bible says that you are to cast your cares on the Lord. So think about your mind like this. Your mind can do two different things with your thoughts. Your mind can be like a trampoline and allow thoughts to bounce right out. Or your mind can be like a garden where it receives thoughts like seeds and those seeds begin to grow. What kind of thought or thoughts do you think the world is giving us right now about the coronavirus? Are they seeds that we should take into our mind and let them grow deep roots and bear fruit in our lives? Or are they the kind of thoughts that we should allow to bounce out of our mind? 
That's why the Bible says, cast your cares onto the Lord. Or in other words, bounce those cares right to Jesus. Now, does somebody have to care about the coronavirus? Yeah, if you're a doctor, that's part of your job. Are you a doctor here? No, so you don't need to care about it on that level. What do you need to do? Live a hygienic life. That's about as much care as you need to give to this. Once again, if you're sick, be in a place, uh, you know, away from the population. Do, do that for everybody's benefit. Once you're well, come around and let's live life. I mean, that's pretty simple. I mean, but is that what most people are thinking about right now? No, the world is afraid. And why are they afraid? Because they're afraid to die. All of those people who walk by us on good days when we're preaching to them and we ask them to stop and talk to us about Jesus and they say, no, man, I'm good. No, really, they're not good. They're just one virus away from losing their mind and becoming a hoarder. You really aren't that good. You're just one step away from receiving the mark of the Antichrist just so you can have some clean drinking water. You're not good. See, the world lives in a little bubble. And every now and then it just pops and they freak out. But friends, we shouldn't freak out about what they're freaking out about. We've already counted the costs of our lives. We've already denied ourselves, taken up our cross and followed Jesus. We're already willing to forsake everything for God. But I know some of you might be like, well, what if the worst case scenario happens? Okay, let's think about it as Christians. What if half the population dies of this disease? And this is one of the things we ride into until the rapture happens. What happens? I'll be at your funeral. That's about it. I'm going to keep living for Jesus. I bury some of my children. Other Christians have done that all throughout the ages. You'll bury me. Somebody else will be up here. What are you afraid of? Oh, I'm afraid of what life would be like without my daughter and my son. I'm afraid of what life would be like as a mom without my husband. I'm afraid. That's all the things you're supposed to cast on to Jesus. We think that somehow now we have the, the worry trump cards, you know, or whenever you guys play cards or, or spades, what is the one that everybody wants? The, the joker, and, it, and it, it can be whatever you want. Is that right? And it can slam. What is the card? Yeah, Joker beats everybody. Yeah, I played Spades a little bit, but I forgot some of the rules. Honest with you, I played it when I was held up, locked up. And every now and then at some of our barbecues, but then I see how crazy it gets, and I'm like, oh, y'all crazy. Okay, I'm just going to back away from this Spade game now. Um, but whatever that is, that card that just slams down, it's like, boom, this settles everything. We think that we could just say back to God, oh, this is different, God. I don't need to cast this on to you. This is okay for me to freak out because it's a coronavirus. Boom. And God is like, no, no, you don't get to still freak out. This does not change anything. I mean, let's just walk it through. Come on, let's walk it through. Let's walk it through. So everybody we know dies. Half the world dies. What, what, what has changed about God in the world? God's still a creator. God's still a creator. God, God is still ever-present with you. If I die, my wife's going to remarry one of the single young men, strapping men of God in the church. She'll be fine. And, and we, we've had people in our church lose their spouses, lose their children. And we're not making light of the pain that people go through. Why do we feel that pain? Because we miss them. Because we love them. But let's just ask, answer this question by asking everyone here. Let's answer this question by asking this question here. If any of you passed away, God forbid, 
This week, would you want the people in this room, even the ones sitting next to you that, that love you the most, would you want them to suffer in life because they keep thinking about how much they miss you? No. So do you think they want us to do that now? Of course not. Listen, if I was to pass, Bethany, hear these words of mine. Play it back over the video. I'll see you in heaven. You better come up there. It's a lot of fun. That's it. Oh, well, Bethany, Bethany, you know, she's going to be getting married at 22 or whatever, 21, whatever her age is. Oh, don't you wish your daddy was here? And he's probably looking down from heaven. No, I'm too busy worshiping Jesus. I'll see you when you get up here. And a lot of times we think that's all, oh, that's so sentimental to think about a whale watching us right now. If a whale is in heaven, she's not watching you. Let me tell you why, because you're wicked and it's a wicked world down here. She doesn't have time to stop and do that. And you might say, well, it's the baby. It's this. Listen, our best things on this earth can't compare to what's going on in heaven. You ever see a guy at Buffalo Wild Wings watching the game? He, he can't talk to you because he's, he's looking at the game. He can't look at you because he's looking at the game. We're going to be so infatuated with Jesus' glory. Listen, and it's not that we don't care about our children. It's not that we don't care about you or those of us who may go up there before you. Listen, it's just we're so infatuated with him, and we understand he's taking care of everything. You, you don't need to tap on my shoulder and go, <clears throat> you know, with your prayers from earth to me in heaven, tap on my shoulder and go, St. Joseph, uh, St. Joseph of, um, of, you know, of Chicago, St. Joseph of Chicago, would you, would you please tell Jesus, tell Jesus that I need him? Like as if I'm going to go, uh, excuse me, angels, uh, let, me, let me get through the worship here, excuse me, God. Uh, excuse me, Jesus, uh, Jesus. Uh, somebody down there needs you right now. He's going to be like, I got this. I don't need you interrupting what's happening here. I got this. How many know we're going to see God for how big he is as the creator? When we're in heaven, we're going to trust him that everything's okay. Because we weren't made just to be mothers. We weren't made just to be fathers. Come on, ladies. You weren't made to just be a milk machine. See, it gets quiet when the preacher preaches like that, but you weren't made just to be a milk machine, and I wasn't made just to be your pastor. I was made for glory. I was made to be with my God. I was made to be in the presence of the Lord. You were meant to be with Jesus, and so as I've demonstrated here before in our church with the a kite string that's thousands of feet long. I, I painted just the tip of it black. And I said, imagine this as your 80 years of life. And no matter what you go through, as good as it is, as bad as it is, here it is. But I would go up to people and I would say, now pull out the string and see how long eternity is. And as they kept pulling it out, pulling it out, pulling it out, the string was laying all over the ground here. You could barely even see the black tip anymore. That's what eternity is going to be like compared to what we're going through now. Now, is it okay to miss people? Is it okay to feel what people are feeling when they go through those things? Yes, you can let your feelings feel. I feel sad. I've lost people that I've loved, and I wish they were still with me. But I'm going to take those thoughts, and I'm going to cast them on to Jesus. Jesus can handle that. I can't. How many of you can handle all the death in the world? Anybody? How many can handle all the sickness, all the disease, all of those things? Now, let's just take a step back if you don't know why it's happening. Why is there sickness? Why is there disease? Because of sin. Jesus said, this is what will happen when you sin. We still said we want to give it a try. 
Now, that doesn't mean people get sick because they sin. It just means that sin brought death. Death comes by a lot of different ways. How many like the hoodie that I have that matches my hair today? Come on, I'm getting more gray, aren't I? Age is a disease that nobody has a cure for. You can put Michael Jackson, that weirdie, in a cryo chamber if you want to, but that dude is dead and he's not coming back. You could try to upload your, your psyche to the internet, man, and one day they'll download it in a new body. You can try that nonsense, but you're not going to be able to do it. You've got one life to live. Live giving that life to Jesus. So if today, if you feel like there's a whole lot of shaking going on, you need to stand on the foundation of God. Let's go to Psalm chapter 91. That doesn't mean that there's not real stuff going on, but let's look at how David told us to deal with it again. Psalm chapter 91 says, whoever dwells, starting in verse one, in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord. Somebody say, I will say. Thank you. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare. That's somebody trying to hunt you down and kill you. How many know that's a bad day? How, how many know that's a bad day if somebody goes, you got an hour before I find you and kill you? How many know that's a bad day? How many know you're running? You're ducking and hiding. You're trying to go in the sewer. You're going anywhere you can. He says, God says, I'm going to keep you safe from that. And from the deadly pestilence, how many know they dealt with disease every day back then? He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart, which means a wall of protection. You will not fear the terror of night nor the error that flies by day. But I am scared. What's wrong? I'm not supposed to be scared. Here's the problem. When you feel scared and God says, don't be scared, he's not angry at you. He's just telling you, start being more like him and less like you. So I know a lot of times they're like, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm scared. What am I supposed to do? Start being more like Jesus. Chill out. Relax. Be like Jesus asleep on the boat. Come on, man. Or the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Now, some of you might say, well, pastor, how can it be true that I only will see uh, bad things happen to others, and yet I've seen bad things happen to me? This is not God promising you never to have a trouble or any of those things. This is a motivational speech that God gave David to give to his guys, especially in the time of war. Of course, some of his guys are going to die. He wouldn't say to them like, hey guys, none of us are going to die today, but we're all going to be like angels and walk through the battle. No, what he's saying is while you're fighting, in the midst of battle, while you see a thousand fall at this side and 10,000 at this side, you will be strong in God. You will be courageous. You will not run away from that battle. You will stand your ground. And if the last thing you feel is a sword going through you, you'll go into glory shouting victory. That's what he's teaching us. He knows people are going to die. He knows people are going to get sick. He saw it all the time. But what he's saying is you won't have the fear. You won't have the mindset that these others do. You will stand your ground until it's time for you to go home. Because death is coming to everyone. The wages of sin is death. Hello, have you sinned in your body? Your body has a payment. 
It's got to pay the payment of death. We've all sinned in our bodies. You're going to pay the payment of death. You might say, well, what about the children who die? These innocent, sweet children of cancer, they've never sinned. Guess what? Their parents sinned. And because of their parents' genetic code, that is now transferred to them, an insufficient genetic code, all the way back to Adam and Eve. Once again, not saying their parents, like that person, sinned, and that's why their children's born deformed. I'm saying all of our parents Adam and Eve, are you listening to me? Because our genetic code has been destroyed because of the first parents, let me say it like that, sickness can come to our children, sickness can come to you, sickness is coming to everybody, and everybody is going to die. How many know that's going to happen? I put up on Facebook what C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis lived during the time, he was a Christian, but he lived during the time of the atomic age. Imagine that, uh, understanding for the first time somebody could drop a bomb on you and not only destroy your town or village, but your whole entire city, if not your nation. And so he had survived World War I and World War II, and he could see that fear was still spreading across the people, and he wanted to give them hope and to give them something to think about. So I'm going to read this from you, what he gave here. This is what C.S. Lewis said. How are we to live in the atomic age? I am tempted to reply, why? As you would live in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year. Or as you would have lived in the Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat during the night. Indeed, as you are already living in an age of cancer, syphilis, paralysis, air raids, railway, car accidents. You see, in other words, don't exaggerate the novelty of your situation. How many know we're not the first ones? He says, believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was ever invented. And quite a high percentage of us are going to die in unpleasant ways. Well, you came to church for that happy news today. I know we don't want to think about it, but we're going to die. And here's another part about this. Most of us are going to die in unpleasant ways. While my aunt was dying of bone cancer, she could not get enough morphine to take away the pain. But she was worshiping. She was giving everything she had to God as the pain was consuming her body. Death, where is your sting? We're actually supposed to laugh at death and go, ha, where's your sting, death? It's been swallowed up in the resurrection of Jesus. I don't fear you. And so we're supposed to live like that. We're supposed to live with the mindset that God is God and he's ultimately in control. That doesn't mean we live reckless. Put on your seatbelt. God gave us that as wisdom. Take your immunization, or if you believe in vaccines, do them. If not, you're a weirdy and you're okay, we love you. But the rest of us are going to do that half kid there. And eat healthy and, and wash your hands and use hand sanitizer and make sure to get your, you know, the, the checkups for cancer and breast cancer and whatever men get, prostate cancer. That's fun to get checked up on, right, guys? Uh, you know, all of those places where they examine you, go get all of it. Okay, great. But guess what? you're still going to die. Can't outrun that. Are you ready to meet your maker? I am. I'm ready to meet Jesus. Here's what he said at the end, and I think we can all enjoy this. He said, this is what we should be clear about. If we are going to be destroyed by a bomb or the coronavirus, let that bomb come and find us doing sensible and human things. 
praying, working, teaching, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts. How many know that would be fun to hang out with C.S. Lewis and do that? Not huddled together like frightened sheep thinking about bombs. They may be able to break our bodies. A microbe can even do that. But they need not dominate our minds. Don't let your mind be dominated with how you're going to die. It's going to come and you won't be able to stop it. And when that day comes, God will give you grace. I'm choking on a little bit of dry dust right now. I don't know if I'm going to die, but a little bit of water, good sir, thank you, will help me to live a little bit longer. How many have ever got that dry thing stuck there and you felt like, I'm going to die? You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and put a little like cayenne pepper on my eggs. Like maybe some people like here like to have some spicy stuff. Thank you, good sir. And uh, man, if you have spicy stuff early in the morning, your throat's not ready for it, that will wake you up, right? (laughs) Make you cough, clear your sinuses. Oh, it feels so good to be in the land of the living. Amen. And while we're in the land of the living, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to do all of those good things that God commanded us to do. So Jesus, when he was with the disciples, everybody put yourself in Jesus' shoes. Didn't he know how John was going to die? Didn't he know how Peter was going to die? Didn't he know how all of his friends was going to die? Didn't he know how his mother was going to die? Did he ever like do, you know, like what these kind of like time travelers do when they come back and get everybody together and then sit them down and go, Peter, oh man, it's going to be hard for you, Peter. I just see it coming. And when it happens, I want you to do this, this, and duck out here so it doesn't happen. No, he just went on doing normal life. Why? Because he knew when it came time for Peter to die, Peter would be ready. The old timers used to say it like this, when it's your time to die, make sure you're ready to die. Make sure you're ready to die. God forbid if anything were to happen to me, what have I left unfinished? What have I left undone? Everything's been said. I've told my children I love them multiple times a day. I've been a good husband. I've been a good pastor. I'm I'm ready to go home to be with the Lord. And then we get into this idea, well, that's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair to your kids. That's not fair. Well, hold on, hold on. Do you really want to talk about fair? Why was it fair that I ever got to live beyond the days of my drug dealing? Why did I ever get to be a father? Why did I ever get to have the joy of being a pastor? Was that fair? No, I deserve death. And let's rewind this all the way back to our first parents. Was it fair that God even let the human race go on? Wouldn't it have been fair just to put us all into hell? Just save the time. Just put you all into hell right from your existence. So instead of us existing and remembering kindergarten and weird things about preschool, the first thing we come to exist and remember is hell. 30 years later, hell. 100 years, hell. All we know is hell. Why? Because that's what Adam and Eve did. And you're like, well, I'm not Adam and Eve. Man, if he would have started over with you, you would have did it faster than Adam and Eve and more crazy. You'd have been making apple juice. You'd have been hanging out in the garden. You would have been dancing around naked. You, come on. Adam and Eve were the best of us. If, if Adam and Eve didn't make it, you weren't going to make it, Bubba. You weren't going to make it, Maria. Listen to me. But, you know, none of us were going to make it. We, were, we, we would have done the same thing, if not sooner and worse. So here we are already, everybody get this, already getting things that is unfair. Life, that's unfair. We shouldn't have gotten a chance at that. We're getting grace. We don't deserve that. Sunshine, not so much in Chicago, but when it comes, sunshine. 
good days. And so some of the preachers used to say it like this. The question that should be asked isn't, why do bad things happen to good people? No, no. Why do bad things happen to good people? That's a false question because we're all bad people in God's eyes. We've all sinned. Really, nobody's good. The question we should be asking is, why do good things happen to bad people like us? Why do bad people like us get to keep living on this planet that God made? Why? Because he's gracious and he created us for fellowship and we get to make a decision whether or not we're going to be with him. I pray that we make that decision. And this is what I would say. Let life's tragedies bring us to our knees. Let life's tragedies bring us to our knees and go, Pop, this is a reminder. My little bubble can't sustain me in life. Pop, I just got my bubble popped of my job. I can't do this forever. Pop, I just got my bubble popped of my family thinking they're always going to be with me. Whatever of life's tragedies happen to us should be a popping of the bubble to remind us this is not our earth. We don't belong to ourselves. It's not our plan. It's his plan. Let's get in line and enjoy what we have. Amen? Come on, somebody say amen. amen. I choose to trust God. In God I trust. Amen? Matter of fact, let me just show that to you. Go back to the book of Psalm. Go back to the book of Psalm. I was reading this. It says it two times in Psalm 56, the very next Psalm. Psalm 56, verse 3. When I am afraid, I put my, what? Put my trust in you, in God whom I praise. See, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Okay, are we afraid? Do we feel fear? Is it real to feel fear? Is it honest to feel fear? Absolutely. Anybody who says they don't feel fear is lying. Do we all fear fear over all of these things? Yes. Like I, I've told the story before, my wife has never seen me more afraid than when they announced on a plane that the landing gear wasn't working. My face turned white. And then like I always tell the story, the pilot comes out like with a wrench walking down the middle of the aisle. And I'm like, okay, it's come down to that. Like literally, he's like, boys, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this. I don't know if it's gonna work. Crank, crank, crank. I don't know what he was doing, but he walks down the thing with like a wrench, manually lowering the thing down. That's not something you want to see when you're on a plane. And then my wife looked at me, she's like, Oh, this plane would never crash. There's too many children here. That wouldn't happen. Like a very superstitious thing. And I'm like, no, planes crash crash with children all the time. The children being on here aren't little angels that are gonna flap their wings and keep us up. We'll die with children. We'll die with old people. We'll die if the pastor's here, the pope's here. This thing, when it's time, it's time for all of us to go. It doesn't matter if Kobe's on the helicopter or, or I'm on the helicopter. We're all going down when it's time. And so I want you to look at this. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God whom I praise, in God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can the coronavirus do to me? What can my enemies do to me? What can earthquakes do to me? Kill me? I get to go to heaven. That's a good day for me. Amen. Just shed a couple tears and then put on the happiest song you can and dance. Amen? Dance at my funeral. He made it. Hallelujah. He didn't backslide. He, brought, he, he made it all the way to the end. My pastor's in glory. And I'll do the same for you. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I know it sounds easier said than done. I know. I get it. We all get afraid. We don't want our loved ones to die. We don't want to be sick. Man, it, it's not fun. It's terrible, actually, right? But what do we need to do when we feel afraid? Cast our cares on Jesus. Trust him. Trust him. Everybody say, trust him. Trust him. Now, look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 
Look at what the Bible teaches us. Start in verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Uh, Daryl, would you come, please? We have this treasure in jars of clay. How many know you got a treasure just in your jar of clay? This is the jar of clay. I mean, have you ever thought about that? Let's just stop, stop and think about that. You're held together by, what, a centimeter of skin? This thing is beating inside of you called a heart? This thing stops beating one time. You're, you're done. They don't revive you. You're not coming back. This skin, we peel it off. Your organs are exposed. You can get sick within moments. Yet, we trust that the maker of our skin and the maker of our heart has our best intention in mind and will keep us. Look at what he says. We have this treasure in a jar of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and is not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side. So let's be realist, okay? Let's be real, okay? You might feel like you're hard-pressed on every side, but you won't be crushed. You're perplexed, but you're not in despair. You're persecuted, but you're not abandoned. Oh, man, this will bring a tear in my eye right now. When you guys were playing outside one day, my children, I looked out there into the backyard, and I felt the Lord say, Joe, you have given them a piece of heaven so that when they leave this house and see hell, they will know that I love them. And I think about my wife and I sending off our children to whatever they do in life and all the crazy things they're going to see like you and I have seen as adults. But you know what they'll know? Is that in my father's house on earth, there was peace. My father's house on earth, there was love. There was singing around the table. And then they'll know and trust that their father's house in heaven has joy and peace unspeakable and full of glory. That all our house was was just a taste and appetizer of heaven. That's why we're supposed to have heaven all around us wherever we go because we're not promised the next good day, the next moment. But even if, even if we're persecuted, we won't be abandoned. Even if my daughter's living in a nation that has to go on lockdown like Hotel Rwanda, could you imagine if my daughter was there or your family was there? She would know, I'm not abandoned. The military may not be here yet to help me. My dad may be 3,000, 4,000 miles away. But Jesus, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. I'm not alone. She'll be able to get on her knees and say, Jesus, I welcome you into this place. We might be struck down, but we're not destroyed. It says we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. So they're all wondering about how their body's going to die. We're not worried about that. We're concerned about how Jesus died and took all of our sin and even more how he raised from the dead so that this life, so that his life rather, may be revealed in our mortal bodies. So yes, death is at work in us, but life in you. And now look at verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Somebody say, I will not lose heart. Somebody say, I won't give up. Say, I will keep my mind on Jesus. Come on, say, I will cast my cares on the Lord. Say, I will trust in God. Amen. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. I mean, I had a friend come visit me the other day, and I looked at him, and I go, man, you are old and bald, dude. And he looked at me, and he said, you're old and gray. <laughs> What happened to the days of my youth? 
They've gone like the dew from the grass, have they not? Like the vapor, my life is passing. But the Bible says, don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, put together a trampoline over the weekend, and man, I'm feeling it in every part of my body. Can anybody relate to that? Outwardly wasting away. But watch, how many of you have been serving God and can say this yet? Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. I feel like I'm just getting good at this thing called life. I mean, I'm being honest with you. I feel more spizzerinkum a pep in my step than I have ever felt as a young man before. I am vibrant on the inside. I'm excited, oh, to God, that I would live a thousand years for him. And the Bible says this, not me, so don't get mad at me. Look at what Paul says. God's speaking through Paul. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. See, somebody might say back to Paul, oh, but Paul, you don't understand. I've been through so much. I have so much pain. How could you call it light? How could you call it momentary? How could you say that, Paul? And Paul would say, because you don't know the glory that God has for you. If you can see the eternal glory in comparison, all of our troubles are light and momentary. Every time you've ever been to a hospital or a grave, Sight. Every time you've ever experienced a bad day, it is life compared to the glory of God. Paul is saying, you don't know like I know about the glory of God. Fix your eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's give it up for Jesus today. Come on, stand up with me. Come on, praise him. Praise him for the glory that awaits us. We bless you, Jesus. We thank you for glory unspeakable, full of joy. We thank you for a life never ending. We thank you for tears being wiped away. Hallelujah. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? Take that coronavirus. We will live for Jesus fearless in these fearful times. You and I were given life as a gift. Please do not make your life an idol now to throw back in God's face and say, I don't like it. Take what you have been given and now be a steward of it. And until he brings you home, fight every day the fight of faith. Fight every day with the word of God in your mind and in your heart. You know, like I said before, all those people who said, I'm good, I'm good. Man, they are not good right now. Show them what it's like to have a word of faith, a mind of faith, a job of faith, a family of faith. Show them what faith looks like in the face of adversity. They've done so many surveys on those who have faith. They live longer. They recover from their illnesses faster. Their marriages are stronger. Why? Because we believe in something greater than us. We have hope beyond the scope of our human limitations. Yes, we'll go to the doctor's office. Yes, we'll go try to find a cure. But if I die today, I'm going to die serving Jesus because I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. Come on, and if I die, let me die fighting the good fight. Let me die in the army of the Lord. Today might be my last day. A hundred and one things could take me out. I don't know. There's a million and one ways to die, but I know I'm going to heaven. 
to be with Jesus and nothing will surprise him. Nothing will, not an accident, not a disease, nothing will surprise God. Let's just thank him today for life. If you're here, you're in the land of the living. Thank him. Even though it might be tough, even though it might be scary, thank you, Jesus. Gracias, Señor, for the gift of life. We don't want to die. We don't want to suffer. You gave us a love for life, and we thank you for it. But now, Lord, don't let us be afraid of what lies ahead for all of us. Help us to trust you, to love you, to cast our cares on you every day. Oh, Lord, and should you tarry and we live a long life, may we hand down this wisdom to our grandchildren, to our great-great-grandchildren, that you never, leave, you never left us, you never forsook us, you were always good to us. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, start right now by repenting of your sins and say, I want to get to know you, Jesus. I believe you died, rose again. You're my Lord and Savior. Become a Christian. Those of you who are already Christians, ask the Lord right now to take out any fear. It's okay if you have them. Cast them on Jesus, though. Just cast them on Jesus. God, I'm afraid I won't get toilet paper this week. It's going to be messy in my house. Oh, Lord, I need you, Jesus. God, I'm afraid that my bills won't get paid because they're not paying me right now because my job is closed. Trust Jesus. Bounce that over to Jesus. And then lastly, use this as an opportunity to preach to your community. Lord, use us to preach to our fans and family. Let every person who talks to us about corona get the Bible back. Yeah. Well, what do you think about this coronavirus? I think it's exactly what the Bible said. I'm ready to meet Jesus. Are you ready? We're all going to die sometime. Turn it right back on them. Preach to them. Preach to them. Preach to them. We stand between the living and the dead. For such a time as this, God has prepared us as a church. I feel sorry for a lot of these inch-deep, mile-wide churches. They don't know what to say to people. They teach them their prayers are like make-believe. They don't know how to get them ready for hard times. Go talk to those people. Let them know, hey, it can get a lot worse than this. I mean, you might be relieved it's not going to be that bad, but what are you going to do when it is that bad? Talk to the fellow Christians. Encourage them. Father, save the lost. Remove the fear. And send us out as light and darkness. A few more moments right now. Make that your prayer. Make that your prayer today. Maybe just as a form of worship. Sing, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier. Oh, I'm a soldier. I was prepared for moments like these. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army. If I die, let me die. If I die, let me die in the army of the Lord. And if I die, let me die in the army. One more time, if I die, I die, let me die in the army. I'm a soldier, I'm a soldier. If you need prayer, come on up. We'll dismiss now. Lord, bless us as we go. Keep us safe. And may we come back again with our friends and family. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Bless him. God bless you. Dismiss. Come on up if you need prayer. We don't have to touch you if you don't want us to. But sing it out as you go.